Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Have we talked about this Darth Maul comic yet, Teresa? Um, no, because I thought it was the thing from like two years ago. So, is so, it been really that long since that one? Since Son, Son of Dathomir? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, pretty much. I thought this was the same thing. That was and like then the I first canon It's thing. not the same thing. That was like the first right. true canon. Yeah. Which weirdly they didn't put legends on the reprint though, which I, or they no wait they didn't they did put legends on the reprint right? I don't know. Let's at, let's ask William. Does William know? William Devereaux. I don't yeah. think so. From Ion Cannon. I don't think I don't know. Are we recording it? Are we actually starting? Yeah, this we're totally how we recording. Do it. It's, <laughs> this yeah. is how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. What have we here? That's why. Yeah, that's why we call it flying casual, William. You just I mean, I try to keep it. my distance, but I don't want to look like I'm keeping my distance. <laughs> yes. This yeah, is... I don't know. So, I mean, I know this is news from November. November, So, basically, yeah. I've had two months of thinking it was the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so in November, they announced the that Marvel is going to be doing, I think, just a miniseries, a Darth Maul miniseries. So, it's going to be Marvel's first attempt at a Darth Maul comic. Well, I welcome anything and all things Maul. You know this. Uh, it is why I will be getting the Rebel Smuggler's Bounty Box, because there is a Maul without his shirt on. So, <laughs> it's a pop vinyl. <laughs> I don't care. There's literally nothing sexy about that. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Are you getting I like a, that this a is written by Colin Bunn. Uh, William? What? Are you getting? Are you going to get the shirtless small pop vinyl? No. I are you a collector of such things? I am not a collector of shirtless small. That is no. That that's is not your your go to collection. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Just shirtless Palpatine. <laughs> yes, shirtless Palpatine. I collect every single one of those. <laughs> there aren't any, but you know. There is. That's the that's <laughs> there's the a one thing, right. But there's not enough to collect. That's my point, right? Yeah, you that's collect true. Collect the one, but. Is it really a collection if you only have one of something? You could always just like commission some fan art. Yeah, no, yeah. that'd be weird. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not weird like you, Teresa. <laughs> hey, you no, are I, not. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, well, he's got tattoos. We should everywhere. officially introduce our guest. I think we are joined by on this episode of Star Wars Bookworms, which is episode number zero six nine. We are joined by William Devereaux. And he is one of the hosts of the Ion Cannon podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This is uh, it's fun to join you. I always love coming on Bookworms and talking about all the amazing Star Wars books. Yeah, I think you've been on our show at least a couple times, but it's been a little while. Yeah, I, I want to say probably maybe a year or so Yeah, since I was last on. And yeah, we've... I'm just doing what you guys did to me on Ion Cannon. It was like a year ago from the last oh. time I was on. Oh, oh that hurts. Oh. Wasn't trying. We weren't trying to make it be a year. We just have, just we're kidding. a very busy show, Teresa. You have to put your name in early. <laughs> I did this time. <laughs> well, you're on two two episodes this season of Rebels, so that's so fun. Well, I've told y'all before. I love Ion Cannon. So oh, thank you. 
It's yes. fun being. Ion Cannon. And I love is... I love bookworms. That's a great great. Uh, Ion Cannon. Ion Cannon is great. It's one of my favorite shows to guest on. So it's fun. Well, thank you. Times. You guys are you guys are too kind. So uh, comics, we're not here to talk about my show. We're here to talk about yeah. Let's talk about this Star Darth Maul comic. So so they did an, they announced this new comic that's coming out. William, are you you're not a comic reader much, are you? Um, I actually read all of them. I, I I wouldn't say I'm the biggest comic fan necessarily. I I find myself like I have trouble for some reason I have trouble like focusing on the comics. Like it's just I don't, I don't never feel like I quite get into the story. And sometimes they're more over the top than your normal uh, Star Wars stuff. It's like a little bit out there. Um, but I still read all the all the Star Wars comics, and I really enjoyed the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comic we got. Uh, a year ago, which was it, or two years ago now? Wow, it was a while ago. It was after, uh, it was right at the beginning. It was actually one of the very first uh, pieces of content in the new canon. That was a while ago now. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, anyway, it's got to be like two years. Yeah, if not almost more. But um, but I really enjoyed that one, right? Because that told some of the remaining episodes of of the Clone Wars, and uh, and so I, I'm I'm. Darth Maul's a really cool character. It's it's he's been great in Rebels and the Clone Wars, so I'm all for finding out more about his early days. Uh, I I still remember there was that that Darth Maul was it the episode one book. It was like a almost like a diary um, from Darth Maul, his perspective, and you get to find out like how he was how he was raised with Palpatine, like oh his him. novel. Yeah, remember that? Remember that one? Yeah, uh, of course. It was like the episode one, like tied into the episode one novelization, but it was like his own story as well. They yes. did uh, a couple versions of this because uh, the one that you're referring to, William, was actually it came out around the time of episode one. Yes, exactly. The, the one yep. Teresa is talking about, I think. Are you, are you talking about the newer one that they did a few years ago? No, no, no. I'm talking. So there's a novel that has the short story that came out when the movie was coming out. They they put them together and how they publish it now. So the short story is also in the same book. It's like separated by like a page, but they're together. Okay. But they I are two separate things. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think it was just called Star Wars Episode 1 Darth Maul actually. I think that's what it was where they had the, his his backstory and then talked about how like he was you know tortured when he was younger. Right. And they did another know, I, one. That, that that book still remembers I just like still sticks in my mind probably because it was one of the first one of the earlier EU novels that I read uh, mm-hmm. along with like the, the Jedi apprentice. I think the Jedi apprentice number one, I think was like my first star Wars book, I think. Um, yeah. They did another one like, that was like, I think it was called the wrath of Darth Maul or something like that. And it was maybe that one. Well, no, there was a okay, Darth Maul well, novel so, that was more recent. I'm trying to remember. So I have, there's Darth I have Maul sitting behind Shadow me. Hunter. To, like, talk while I, it was yeah, not Shadow, Shadow Hunter. It was Shadow Hunter was the full length novel. Shadow was the full Shadow Hunter was the full length right. novel. Right. And then there was the ebook. Right. There was uh, the ebook. There's Mall Lockdown. Right. Yeah, not that one. It's too recent. Yep. It's, and then uh, Wrath of Darth Maul was like a junior level novel. Yeah. And it kind of led in, into the events of his appearance on the on um Rebel or no, on the Clone Wars. Um so it, it leads it sh- it actually has a scene where he gets cut in half and falls down the shaft and then like you get to see it from his perspective yeah and like how he was able to like channel the dark side and his hatred to keep himself alive Um, specifically called episode one journal darth maul right yeah yeah 
that's what it was. So there's been, you know, so this comic, bunch of yeah, this comic is set pre, um, Phantom Menace. So this and the, all these stories we're referring to were also set pre the Phantom Menace. Uh-huh. So, so it'll be interesting to see because every, all these stories we're talking about are no longer canon. Um, yeah, I you, actually pulled up a a article um from 2013 on actually the star wars report of the seven darth maul stories you should read and there's star wars darth maul which was a comic series that ran in 2000 that told the story of darth maul being sent by sidious to take out the leadership of the black sun criminal organization and then there was marked which is Mm. ran from 99 to 2005 as part of star wars tales it was issue number 24, which was a 12-page story called Mark, which featured Maul. Um, he was sent by Sidious to kill a Force user who was posing a threat. Then Shadowhunter, and then Resurrection, which again is part of the Star Wars Tales comics. It was number 9, which was a face-off between Vader and Maul. Right. The Wrath of Darth Maul, which is what you were talking about, and then Old Wounds, which is before the Clone Wars TV series, decided to bring him back. Um, it was done in 2005 in a story called Old Wounds. It was found in the pages of the Star Wars Visionaries, a collection of stories written and drawn by concept artists. Mm-hmm. And then Death Sentence. Got it. Who wrote that article? The, oh, uh... I don't know. Maybe. Who wrote anyway, that article? Yeah. I think I wrote it. That's why I'm asking. You, oh, was it you? <laughs> well, it doesn't have it. The way oh, ha- you did. It's you. <laughs> Look, I found one of yours. We have the expert on the show. Can you believe that? That's amazing. That's that, the kind of service Star Wars Google Book that? provides. Like, I Googled. Okay, I literally Googled Darth Maul books, and the very first Google um, search item was Great. that one. We have the expert here a on the A 2013 article. Back when I used to write stuff for Star Wars Report. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Look at that. What a coincidence. But, yeah, so, yeah. You're the, like, this all sounds familiar. I know. I'm so, like, Mr. I expert, just totally tell us all about, tell us all about Maul. <laughs> well, she just did, so. But, um, yeah. no, that... That's, uh, yeah, so we get this comic that's going to be coming out, is, but it's going to be canon, and... Uh, it's interesting they're they're you know covering this time period since it had been covered so much in the legend stuff, um, and I wonder if they'll even kind of refer back to some of these these stories and legends. It seems like they do like to kind of hint at um, some of these stories from legends actually you know kind of tapping into canon a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've done a good job with all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's so I guess long story short to answer your question, that was a very very roundabout way of saying. I don't read a ton of the comics, but um, I am I'm looking forward to this one. I'm oh, sorry, I read all the comics. I don't necessarily love the comics, but I, it's like all Star Wars. I still love it on some level, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this one cause, because I I really enjoyed those younger Darth Maul books, or the the Darth Maul growing up books, and Darth Maul's more recent story. I guess I just like Darth Maul a lot. Yeah, I was never that big of a fan of Darth Maul. Like it wasn't like ever like a Darth Maul super fan. But I like he's, a lot of his stories. He's kind so. of a safe. It seems like uh, with with Marvel, you know, as they're coming up with these miniseries, you know, the Chewbacca series, the Han Solo, Leia, Darth Maul, you know, they're they're hitting the major players, uh, people mm-hmm. that they know are going to sell comics. Yeah, 
and we all but know they are taking a couple risks too there have know, been like the afro comet series and stuff there's more of a spinoff that's one i risk, haven't totally honest i have not been this fan but i was big of a fan of that one but that's a whole other topic yeah yeah definitely <laughs> I haven't actually read them. I, I've read most of the Darth Vader comics, which include her her character, um, but never was a huge fan of that character. Mm-hmm. So when I heard about the spinoff, I know a lot of people were very happy. A lot of people really love that character, but I wasn't as big of a fan. So, I mean, I'll read them, but... Well, we might as well say what this comic is kind of about, the Darth Maul one, because we didn't really... Maul, Darth, Star Wars Darth Maul comes out in February and that's when it debuts and it's going to take a look at the tattooed villain's younger days before his short-lived appearance in the 1999 prequel film and they say on tap for the antagonistic warrior lots of rage a need to take revenge against the Jedi and problems taking orders love it it's <laughs> all I need rage Jedi revenge things like that I'm down well, the Black Sun, I think, is going to be involved. There's a Jedi that he finds out is involved in something, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm going to go kill this Jedi. So it's some shades of stories we've gotten previously with him, but I, you know, I'm sure Marvel will take it in a different direction and give us some unique things as well. But yeah, I, didn't, I couldn't remember if we had talked about this on the show, and I knew that Teresa would be very interested in talking about anything Darth Maul, so I figured I'd bring it up. But um, oh, thank you. This episode, we um, actually brought William on for a specific reason because we want to f- finally review the book that we skipped, which is Life Debt Aftermath Life Debt. Um, so we are going to get to that review. We're going to do a, a full review of that novel. But before we get there, I did want to mention. I know we've been we did a review of uh, Catalyst in our lead up to Rogue One, and then we actually did a review of Rogue One as well. And so kind of while we're still on a Rogue One high, um, I did want to mention, you know, there were plenty of other books that came out, you know, kind of surrounding the film. And we're not going to do kind of full-on reviews of all of them, but I did want to at least mention them and maybe get some of your guys' thoughts if if you've had a chance to check out some of these books. Uh, Specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, The Art of Rogue One is one that I picked up that I've really enjoyed a lot. Have you guys had a chance to check that one out yet? I don't have that one. I haven't looked at it at all, but I've heard it's cool. <laughs> it's a beautiful book. I, I'm making my way through it. I'm not as far through it as I would have liked. I um, got uh, got a bit distracted with a few other things that came up, but no, I, I've been I've been reading through that one. I finished the visual guide, which has been which was I really enjoyed as well. You know, sometimes if you look at it on the surface, it's kind of more. It can be. It almost looks like it's written with younger focus, but there's so much great information in there, and you know, it really connects uh, with the you know to the, to the movies a lot more. And you get to find out who who are these different people, what what are they all about? Uh, and there was tons of different teases, not only for Rogue One, but for Rebels and other stuff as well. So, kind of uh, back to the art of Rogue One. Sorry, I, I kind of completely. Uh, yeah, you just jumped <laughs> right to the visual guide. No. <laughs> jumped right to the visual guide. <laughs> but just, I mean, we don't have to talk too long about this stuff because we have an entire novel uh, to review yeah. here. But just, were there any things that popped out to you? I know the art of actually gets into a lot more behind the scenes stuff than something mm-hmm. like vi- the visual guide, where the visual guide sticks to be, you know, it's all in, it's all like in universe, and they're just right. giving you information about the characters. The art of Rogue One really started to dive into, you know, the production of the movie and some, you know, what the characters could have been. So, were there a couple things in that book that 
that kind of stuck out to you that you might have been surprised by? Oh, that's a good question. I'm still fairly early in it. Um, I just I just love like hearing all the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, we don't really have like a making of Rogue One uh, yet, so the the art of Rogue One is probably the closest right uh, we we can get right now to figuring out you know finding out like how did this story progress and I I'm trying was it in I'm trying to remember, I read so many different sources because I I read the beginning of the book and I took a, a week a couple weeks off. Because I was traveling and didn't have the, didn't want to lug around. Fortunately, I lug around the book with me, and um, I'm trying to remember, did it, is that the one where they talked about how they were originally planning on killing off all the characters and then changed plans? Um, I'm not there was sure. some tidbit. I'm trying to remember which one came from the art of book. Kind of the way wow. I, I do the art of books is I, I like to flip through the entire book before I actually read anything. Ah. Just flip through and look at all the pictures. And if something catches my eye, I'll read some of the text. And then I usually go back and then read the entire thing. Um, so I have read portions of it, but I didn't catch that specifically. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there were a couple things I thought were interesting. There were there was a an image in there of Krennic where... They actually had visualized him with some major scarring on the side of his face, which I thought was kind of mm. cool. They didn't end up going with that look, obviously, but um, you know, just my what I love about the art of book is it it gives you the early concept. So things that they were thinking of doing that never actually made it to film, but it's kind of like, oh wow, that that would have been kind of cool if they did that. Um, I know, like, another thing that stuck out to me was there originally was supposed to be an alien character that was going to be part of the crew. Um, and they had kind of mm-hmm. visualized this character as maybe more reptilian at first, and then it turned into that big, uh, you know, kind of a yeti-looking creature um, that ends up being in the movie but not being that character. Um, you know the, t- the, the character I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. Nope. The big white furred guy that had his own action oh, figure. Oh, yeah. That that mm-hmm. character. Are you talking actually... about the character that looks like a big giant green headed thing? No, he, he's 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 white. He's, no, he's I know, but was on... he originally a big green headed thing? I think the the first concept art of that character was kind of green skinned. I just um, googled art of Rogue One, and there's uh. this picture with this like really <laughs> super big green headed monster thing and he has like what looks like a little red fuzzy loth cat on his backpack okay yeah i think that that was concept art for um for an alien character that they were going to have in the movie and they ultimately you know decided not to go that direction but you know the some of the concept art ended up becoming background characters so yeah but it's a great book like you know i like you were saying william it's just it's a fantastic book and the the art in it is beautiful and i i definitely would recommend that one i still you know kind of making my way through it i definitely haven't read the entire thing yet but highly Mm -hmm. recommend it it's a great like coffee table book too you can just put it there and people can flip through it and just you know just look at all the amazing art or you can actually sit down and and read it and it works really well for both so so teresa you (laughs) highly recommended you did get the visual guide though yeah, I have the visual guide. I love the visual guides because they connect a bunch of dots for me. It's sort of like I want to have it 
when the movies come out. So that way when I get home and I have all these questions, it's like my encyclopedia to go and look and say like, okay, so this is this, this is this, this is this. It just helps me be able to sort of put everything together. And I love them for that. They just need to keep making these, but they need to release them so that I already have it when the movie comes out. Like, I won't have really looked at it before the movie comes out, but then it's there, you know. The visual guide for me, I I really enjoyed it, but it definitely wasn't... um, I remember when The Force Awakens came out, and I got a hold of the visual guide for The Force Awakens, and I think I read that thing cover to cover in, like, one night. Mm -hmm. Because I was just so... I just wanted to learn as much as I possibly could about the movie, and because it's just the first part of a trilogy... And the story well, the was whole still, new era too. Everything's yeah. so different. And it was like, oh, maybe there's some hints in here of stuff that's still yet to come. And I want to know more about the Knights of Ren and all this stuff. And I definitely didn't have that same, you know, need when it came to Rogue One. Um, but I'm, I'm really this one. I'm taking it at a much slower pace and kind of, you know, gradually getting through it. But I haven't actually finished reading it yet. Yeah, I mean, I haven't finished reading it. I'm just saying, like, I I love all the information I get from the visual guide. It's kind of like what William said. There's little tidbits here and there that, yeah, maybe it's written for a lower level, but I don't know if it's really written for that. It's just that that's sort of the way it's set up. Right. Well, because you have the pictures and like a little blurb, sometimes like, oh, it's it's younger, but it's actually not. There's a there's a ton of depth to it, and there's a there was a um, there's like a great page where they have they show all of like. Jin's toys and like you know yeah. little reference like there's a loth cat or there's you know um, Iggy you know it was like yeah or like Stormy and that kind of stuff <laughs> um, and then like I also really enjoyed the pages about the whole rebel leadership uh, which was was nice because you know we see some of them and some of the rebel leaders in Rogue One but it's like okay well how do they all fit together who reports to who and how and so I enjoyed just kind of seeing that as well um probably my favorite ones though and I, I have to give Pablo credit for like messing with fans on this <laughs> and that was all of the Rebels connections there were mm-hmm. a lot of Rebel there's a lot of Rebels information in it it's kind of interspersed throughout um, I was going to say like spoilers if you haven't seen Ghosts of Genesis episode of Rebels um, but uh, well not exactly uh, <laughs> or I thought it was going to be spoilers Um in the book, it's like, oh well, you know, the the Saw Gerrera teams up with the uh, Lothal uh, rebels, and they go and get really close to the Death Star, prompting the Death Star to be moved, or at least Saw Gerrera gets so close that prompts it to be moved, and he has like all this Geonosian poison in his lungs and all this stuff, and they talk about how he goes to Genosis, and so when I we saw when they announced there's gonna be this episode called Ghost of Genosis with Saw Gerrera, I'm like, oh clearly we're going to see him get like poisoned and all the stuff that they mention in the visual guide and like none of that actually happened at all <laughs> uh, none of the stuff that I thought was going to be in the episode based on the visual guide was actually in the episode uh, so when I was originally reading I was like oh there's all these spoilers for Rebels no there wasn't any spoilers at all so it so says that he had for, like, he has Geonosis like poison in his lungs that's Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says yes. If you go to the Sagarera page, um, there's a actually I think he has like four pages, and it's like the the last one. Uh, it's just there shows there's like this little machine, and there's a call out saying that this it this machine basically purges the the poison or the insecticide from Sagarera's lungs. 
So maybe, uh, he, maybe you know, they didn't overtly show that in the episode of Rebels, but you know, because he spent so much time on that planet, exactly you know, it, it got into his lungs, and maybe you or know, he, he started he goes, to have problems later, or he goes back to Genosis, or something yeah. happens. You know, like it's not like it's inaccurate in the book; it's all accurate. They just the way it was phrased made me think I was going to see certain episodes, certain things in that episode of Rebels, which was not the case. And so, you know, uh, it was like a nice, on the one hand, I was like, oh, but what happened to all the stuff I thought we were going to see? And on the other, on the other hand, it was kind of nice, uh, you know, to like kind of fake me out a bit. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. Just, just because you see Rebels information in the visual guide before the Rebels episode airs does not mean it's actually a spoiler. now there's something there's a book that came out that's not on here maybe because it doesn't directly relate to rogue one but it's probably my favorite of all of the sort of i guess dk books that have come out really which is complete locations oh yes yes. i i you okay i know aaron knows but william you probably don't know I am obsessed with like the map of the galaxy and the old Atlas book was like my favorite thing ever because I referenced it for everything. And so when I got complete locations, I was like, ah, geek out moment. (laughs) And I open it and I'm like, okay, where is everything? There's this, there's this, there's this. (laughs) So, and then all of the stuff, all the, the different planet pages and everything. I'm just like, I'm in heaven. Yeah, so. I cannot wait to get my hands on that book. I haven't had a chance to pick it up yet, but I definitely that's I'm kind of the same way when it comes to those kind of books. I just I love, you know, getting as much detail as I can about the galaxy. So that's surprisingly I haven't got it. I don't know why I haven't just gone out and bought it, but I think I got caught up in more of the Rogue One material. So I need to need to catch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then going back to Rogue One, there is another one that's not on here. I believe it's published through Disney Books. Uh, it's the actual Rogue One coloring book because the you know the art therapy coloring books are doing a bunch of these and they did a Rogue One uh, version and it's really cool actually all the different ways that they interpret the characters in it and everything it's so cool nice and I like I like art therapy with the coloring so uh, I have Disney ones and Star Wars ones and I have Doctor one. I have not colored in it at all, but it's a Doctor Who one. But mm-hmm. I think it was a gift, so I didn't purposely get it. I'm not much of a coloring person, but yeah, but it's it's. I think it's cool that they did a Rogue One version. I didn't expect that, so I was like, "Woo, neat!" Did you get the other the Rebel dos- dossier? How do you say that? Is that right? Dossier. Dossier. Yes, I did. I actually really like it, although it, it's kind of confusing at times because I'm not really sure like if it's supposed to be in or out of universe. I think it's in, mm. but it's like you you kind of want to reference it as like being out of universe, like they're trying to give you information, but it's not really. And it sort of just walks through stuff we already know, so it's not really new information. It's definitely more for a younger audience that doesn't know everything, I think. Uh but I I enjoyed it. I was actually using it during an episode of Fangirls Going Rogue to talk about oh, nice. characters. So uh, I like it. Unfortunately, that's that's one I have not quite had a. I haven't. I have it, but I haven't had an opportunity to start it yet. So I'm looking forward to doing that soon. Cool. Yeah, I haven't gotten that one either. So I I flipped through it. I was in a Target. 
you know, the other day and saw it on the shelf and kind of flipped through it a little bit, but I, I don't actually have that one uh, in hand yet. I think it's a cool thing to have on your shelf just as like um, reference material for stuff if you ever decide to write again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the nine Rogue One stories you must read. Yeah, yeah. look at that. You have a title and everything. Does uh, So any other Rogue One you know, material that came out that you guys caught or had a chance to look through or did we cover most of it? I think most of it, there is a book that came out and it's from Disney that is the galactic maps. That one. Oh yeah. Is amazing. It's like complete locations, but like, I don't know. It's not necessarily more, but it's done differently. But it is so cool. You need that. You need that, Aaron. Like, you need Galactic Maps. I didn't yeah. realize that was two separate books for some I thought that was the same thing. No. No. They're, they're two different books. Wow, man. There's a lot of information that I need to catch up on. Because those books just, they have so much detail. And because I'm assuming all this stuff is still considered canon, like they're really adding a lot of detail to the to the universe. They're so. adding a lot of detail to the planets and to some of the things in there. In Galactic Maps, they have a breakdown of like all of the characters that are a part of the universe. And there's little blurbs on all of them. And then it goes into all these planets in depth with these really cool, very almost like ancient kind of map style drawings. Mm-hmm. Not photography, but like actually, like somebody they're, they're like almost hand drawn. Correct. Almost. Yeah, and this, with like and, meticulous detail too. And Galactic Maps, I William, I guess you have it. I cannot figure out if it's in or out of universe. I think it's supposed to be like somebody in universe drew these maps. Is what I think it's supposed to be Good framed. As. I never really looked at it because there's a. There's a beginning page that talks about where the maps have come from. And I think it's sort of, it reminds me a little bit of like the Jedi Path Book of Sith books, you know, where it's coming from some deep, dark, you know, library cavern hole from somewhere that this person did these maps, you know, and I love that kind of stuff. So it's awesome. Yeah, highly, highly recommended. Also, I don't know if you noticed, and I think this... Some people started to, this was a, people were talking about this recently. Did you see, if you look carefully at the map, the, the map of the galaxy, did you notice where Starkiller Base is? In which one? Uh, in, sorry, in uh, Galactic Map. Actually, I don't know, it might be in both. I'm specifically talking about the uh, Galactic Maps, the more what we just finished talking about. I uh, didn't. I'm, and I'm, I'm about to run to the other room and go get it, though. It is, I think I know where William's going with this. It is exactly where Ilum has been in every other map of the galaxy. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw some Could people be? tweeting about this uh, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks back, and I had to comment on it. I was like, oh, man, is I, have not, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And they said it was from these books. And so I was just like, wow, that's... So like as soon as I got been the book, confirmed I went... from Lucasfilm or anything, but they're definitely, you know, people are starting to put the pieces together that. But it would make sense. Yeah. It would make sense. Is this... Based on like everything we've seen in like the Ahsoka novelization and Elm's presence in 
Oh you know? my lord. <laughs> I'm having yeah. a moment right now. My <laughs> mind is like exploding. I hope that it, I hope Could it's Star true. Killer Base be Elum? Also oh. Kyber Crystal source of Kyber Crystals. We know the Death Star was made with Kyber Crystals. Right, and I mean, the Starkiller base obviously would need way more kyber than uh, the Death Star would. (gasps) They took a planet and turned it into a weapon. Makes sense. Bastards. I love this theory. I hope it's true. (laughs) I I love Ilum, so on the one hand, it would be sad if it's true. Uh, But on the other hand, it's a great idea. And so I kind of do hope it's true, as much as I love Ilum. And it would be very sad if... It was no more. It really, like, if you really start to think about it, even with Catalyst, taking Catalyst into mind and, and thinking about how they were having such a hard time figuring out a way to focus this super weapon and to focus the laser, and the only solution for the Death Star was kyber crystals. And so you would think with something like Starkiller Base basically being a larger version of the Death Star with a much more powerful laser, that it almost would have to be kyber crystals that are involved. Uh. Huh? Um, which where else would you get such a large source of you know kyber crystals within a planet other than Ilum? So yeah, it's, it almost to me it's if that's not the case, then how else do you explain it? I'm like in between wanting to cry and wanting to be like, wow. <laughs> you can do both. <laughs> well, it's like the death of Ilum just happened right now, today. Thanks. Yeah. So subtly too, they're not like telling anybody. It wasn't like a big deal. It just just happened. Again, none of that. It's, it's not like confirmed. the stuff they do it on purpose, though. They do this kind of stuff. It's like the nerds will figure it out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't I can't take credit for it. You know, and then no, I wonder who noticed it first. I would love to know. Can't remember. I don't know. The first I saw it was from like uh, I think Pete Morrison, Andrew Loopy. Those guys were the ones that were talking about it. So I don't know, but I'm sure a lot of people kind of caught up and picked up on it. Wow, that's crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, pretty awesome. Now there is one more thing I'd like to talk about before we move on, and it's not really it's not Rogue One, and it's not um, well, it's the Princess Diarist, the Carrie Fisher book. I was given that book from Blue Rider Press to actually read and review, and we were given it right before her passing. And uh, if you haven't read it, read it. It is great. It is so good. Because she actually releases her actual diaries that she wrote during filming, and that's what the book is. Oh, is wow. a, It's a mixture of the physical diaries she kept when they were filming the original Star Wars and her looking back on that time. And it's completely Star Wars focused really. And it's hilarious. It's so funny. You can hear her voice in it when you're reading it and it's, it's good. I've read the whole thing. It's great. So cool. Yeah. I'm definitely, that's definitely one that I want to pick up for sure. I that's another one like I bought it and I just my my reading stack is like enormous and I just need to make a dent in it. Um, but I try to read all the new novels as soon as they come out. It's just the the other books that I sometimes get a little bit behind on. Mm-hmm. The novels well, come first. Speaking <laughs> of the new novels, so we are here to review Life Debt Aftermath Life Debt. Um, this is one that. We kind of skipped because uh, we were just we wanted to get Catalyst in before Rogue One came out, and so we skipped this one. 
but we promised our listeners that we would come back to it, that we would not uh, forget about Aftermath Life Debt. So I'm going to read through the stats, and uh, Teresa, do you want to do the the publisher summary? Yep. All right, so Aftermath Life Debt author is Chuck Wendig. The release date was July 12th of 2016, and this was published by Delray Books. And the summary is as follows. The galaxy is changing, and with peace now a possibility, some dare to imagine new beginnings and new destinies. For Han Solo, that means settling his last outstanding debt by helping Chewbacca liberate the Wookiee's homeworld of Kashyyyk. Meanwhile, Nora Wexley and her band of rebels pursue Admiral Ray Sloan and the remaining Imperial leadership across the galaxy. Sloan, increasingly wary of the mysterious fleet admiral, desperately searches for a means to save the crumbling empire from oblivion. Even as Imperial forces fight to regain lost ground, Princess Leia and the New Republic seek to broker a lasting peace. But the rebels' hunt for Admiral Sloan is cut short after the disappearance of Han Solo and Chewbacca. Desperate to save them, Leia conscripts Nora, Sinjir, Joss, and the rest of their team to find the missing smugglers and help them in their fight for freedom. So I'm going to admit, it's been a while since I've read this book. It's been a very long I read, while. <laughs> I read it when it came out. I didn't reread it for specifically for this review, but I did try to you know familiarize myself with the story. Um, you know, kind of flipping through it and you know looking at the notes I took back when I read it. Um, but it, it's not like f- super fresh in my mind, so hopefully I'm not too off on some of the details. Are you kind of in the same boat, William? I'm 100% in the same boat. <laughs> All right. It's like I said, it's a big backlog, so it's hard to go back and reread stuff as much as I might want to. I think that being said, you know, it, I think was, a, it was a fun book. Read it most recently, so she can probably correct some of our if we if we get anything wrong. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I did I I did read it more recently than you guys, but I'm just gonna say this from the outset: it's not a secret. I like Chuck Winding. I do not really love these books. They're not bad. There's just something about the writing style for me. And I I was actually asked this question, which I think is a good question, by Erish Chernevice from Del Rey. He said, is it the writing or the characters? And I said that I like the characters, but I cannot... I cannot, I don't know if it's relate to them or I can't get into them. I can't, I, there's like this block that I just can't get into the story. But I like a lot of the information that comes from the books, but it's just a chore to read these for me. And I, mm-hmm. I hate that, but it's true. And so that's why I'm saying I'm not sure I can correct, can correct y'all because with these, I just try to get through them mm. <laughs> rather that's than... I mean that's yeah. that's going to be the case, you know, for for any novel. I think you know you're going to have people that really attack or really connect with it, and people that don't. And I I know there's been some books that have come out that for me, you know, it was a task to get through. Um, I actually really do enjoy the aftermath books, but I think it's I am having a bit of a hard time connecting with the characters. But I yes. I just enjoy the fact that I'm getting more information about the universe in this time period because you know what happens after return of the jedi between return of the jedi and the force awakens is still a pretty big mystery and these are the only books that are giving us insight into that world into that time period um Mm -hmm. so i'm just i'm eating up the information i'm getting but i'm not connecting necessarily with the characters that much 
I 100% agree. So reading these, what I've been doing is I sort of wait to read these because uh, IO9 does a really good job of like kind of breaking down the aftermath books of all the stuff that's in them because they kind of jump around a lot, you know? And so I can reference like the IO9 article and then while I'm reading and go, okay, and start connecting dots because I'm having such a hard time with my focus and capturing all the information. And so for this one, it was an article that was released on July 12th written by Catherine Trinda... Trinda Costa and James Whitbrook, and it's all the secrets of Star Wars of the Star Wars Galaxy revealed in Aftermath Life Debt. And so I kind of like read a little bit of that with because it breaks it down by parts, you know? And so I can be like, okay, this is what's happening. And then I read and I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it's like my little encyclopedia little for reading aftermath for reading aftermath. I feel bad that I'm doing that, but it's the only way that I can get through it so yeah uh i think i'm like i I don't i don't mind the writing at all in fact i kind of like it uh the writing style um i know some people have a problem with it i actually don't mind it at all like you guys though uh it's the characters that i have a little bit more trouble connecting with and i would say i had this problem with some of the other some of the other recent novels as well uh, and it's possible just because they're so brand new and to be totally honest sometimes when I read a, a new book with like completely different characters uh, I have a little more trouble getting into it first um, and over time I, I grow to, to like them more and stuff like in the first aftermath I didn't like the characters at all I didn't really like connect with them and it didn't like I hated them I just or actively disliked them I just could I was very amb- you know, ambivalent about them um, I liked them a bit more in Aftermath Life Debt, but I still did not connect nearly as much as uh, as I was I was hoping to. And so, like you, I I read it for like what's going on in the galaxy, what's the state of the galaxy, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, kind of what's happening behind the scenes. I did like some of the characters though, like Ray Sloan grew on me a lot more and more. Uh, I liked how the main characters in the book actually interacted with uh, Han and Leia and some of the you know the, the main characters we know and love a lot more um, you know Wedge all that kind of stuff like they yeah. they all played a more active role in this book which mm-hmm. I think helped a lot uh, because it was these characters doing missions for the people we know and love and so it made it instantly easier to connect with some of the characters when I knew that they were doing something to help you know han or chewy or or whatnot yeah that's i think helped a lot big improvement i think in this book is by adding those characters in i mean even like han plays a really big role Mm -hmm. yeah in the book which i loved seeing i thought they i thought chuck wendig actually did a great job capturing you know the personality and voice of han solo uh, better than a lot of authors do and, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that inclusion. of Because I think that was kind of what the first Aftermath was missing. It was just all these brand new characters. And it was kind of like, okay, this is a cool adventure, but I don't know these characters. But in the second book, we do know the characters a little bit better. Plus, they throw in Han and Leia and Chewie. And so, for me, it was much more enjoyable, uh, the yeah. second book was, than the first. It's hard, because I don't want to say that you have to have characters we know and love from Star Wars. Otherwise, it's not enjoyable. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say at all. Um, 
I'm actually having trouble like finding the right uh, the right well, way to I describe was... it. You know, you don't like. I don't want people to assume that. Well, Star Wars fans only want Han, Luke, and Leia, and some of the other major characters. And if it doesn't have any of those, psh, forget it. Right? Uh, they're not going to enjoy it. That's not the case. They should be able to go try new stories with new characters. But for whatever reason, these particular characters, most of them, I had a bit more trouble connecting with. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm the same as you. I, and Aaron, we've talked about this before. We want stories with new characters to be able to learn more about the galaxy through different people. So it's definitely not that. I don't have to have Han, Luke, and Leia or other names that I recognize in order for me to get into a book. There's just something about this little band of like Nora, Sinjir, and Joss and them that like I just. I can't get there and I want to, but I can't for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. But like, I love Admiral Sloan, but I really got into her in a new dawn. And really, because I was the opposite. I didn't like her at all. And like, she was boring in a new dawn. And then when we got to aftermath, I was like, actually, I don't mind her anymore. But I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. no, but, but you know, it's one of those things of, I kind of say this about movies and TV shows too. Even if you if you don't like something or something makes you mad and you're like, oh, well, I don't like it because, you know, it upset me or whatever, then that's why you should like it because it got an emotion out of you. So, like, if you really didn't like her in A New Dawn, she still grabbed your attention enough to where you didn't like her. You know, whereas these, they're, they're just sort of there. There's no, for me, there's like no emotion to them. I don't like them or dislike them. I don't anything. And that tells me more about the characters, about not being able to connect, because I can connect to a character that I don't like. Mm-hmm. That's it an doesn't, excellent point. You know, so it's like it. I don't know. I wish I could pinpoint what it is, and I wish I didn't feel that way too. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm not as much of a Ray Sloan fan as it sounds like you guys are. Um, no, I'm sorry. I just be clear. I'm not like her biggest fan. I just mean I went from not caring about her at all in A New Dawn to being like. Okay, I'm a slightly more invested in like at least I somewhat care on the scale. It's like barely tipped in the, you know, slightly more interested scale than like she's definitely Jasimari more interesting or something or John Barrel. I'm like okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah, she's definitely more interesting in this book than I th- I felt like she was in a New Dawn. Her role is a lot different. Uh, she is basically the leader of the Empire at this point, mm-hmm. an Empire that is just <laughs> completely disorganized. Um. It, the setting in the universe right now is so interesting because we know that when it comes to the Force Awakens, the Empire is not, pretty much gone at that point. You know, the we have this the First Order, which is a whole. You know, they the First Order may have been born out of ideals from the Empire, but it's not the Empire. The so, rules from the dark. Mm-hmm. So we know that the Empire is pretty much gonna die, and this is the the end of its life pretty much. So it's kind of interesting to see this, this time period where it's like, okay, Ray Sloan is the leader of an empire, but the empires doesn't mm-hmm. have uh, much, le- much time left. True. But I, I did like that. I liked how there was like this whole shadow council and mm-hmm. she's trying to deal with this mysterious new admiral. Yeah. Um, Which, okay. So let's talk a little bit about Rax. Mm-hmm. Because I know at the end of the first book, you have the mysterious scene with this guy on the bridge of a ship. 
and I was on another podcast uh, shortly after this, after the first Aftermath book came out to, to review the novel, and the hosts on this podcast were so convinced that that character was going to be Grand Admiral Thrawn. And I was, and I remember them asking me, what do you think? And I was like, no, I don't think it's him. Actually, I, I think it's 99, I'm 99.9% sure it's not him. Uh, but called the, it. And they were so convinced, and I, I just didn't think they would go there. Um, now, obviously, he's coming to Rebels now at this <laughs> point, um, which didn't surprise uh-huh. me as much. But I just didn't, you know, I didn't think that that, that was going to be him. Did either of you feel like that might have been Thrawn? No, I never thought it was going to be Thrawn. I just thought it was going to be, I was kind of like, my my theory was that whoever Rax is, is Snoke. You know, but we didn't know who Rax was. We just, it was the mysterious whatever. I was like, that's the guy that's going to be Snoke, whoever that is. <laughs> now, we still don't know. So mine hasn't, I haven't had a chance to be like, I'm wrong yet. So, so. I'm 99.9% sure you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> I think somebody, I feel like. Aaron Slayer sure. of Theories. <laughs> no, he, he was also 99.9% sure that all of the characters in Rogue One weren't going to die. I did not say that. And I all would... I said was they don't have to die. <laughs> I, that's all I said, which is true. They don't have to die, but they did. And they, they originally did. had Spoiler not planned it until Disney gave them the go-ahead. So I guess you're both right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I I feel like Pablo or somebody already dispelled the, the whole Rax Snoke theory. I feel like yeah. that one's already been stomped on. But, um, yeah, so Rax, you know... He was mystery, mystery man at the end of the first one, and in this one, he's very much front and center. There's no more mystery behind this character, um, other than what is his connection to the Emperor and Jakku. But um, I, I almost pulled a, pulled away the curtain on him too quickly. Like in the last yeah. one, it's a big mystery, and this one, he's just like there. Like, yeah, of course, exactly. Um, you know, interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's he was a fine character. It didn't he didn't bother me. Um, he seemed kind of similar to maybe some Imperials we've seen before, but. Um. Yeah, I I almost had wished they had kept him in the shadows a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would. He has been some cool. interesting backstory though. Like he comes from Jakku. I yeah. wonder, like, I wonder what that means. Yeah, that I did like close... the prelude starts like with that, and then the 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 very end of the book, the epilogue. Uh, the epilogue. Mm-hmm. They have you know the whole you know reveal that the emperor basically recruits him to to watch over some some kind of something dig or being... something. Yeah. yeah, which like and is he... alluded to in Ray's journal, which she, yep. she talks right. about some underground base that the Emperor had there, and that there were some troopers that stayed after the Battle of Jakku, and like they might still be oh, there, and they're like right. old men now. So I'm like, oh, okay, all these they're really starting to tie stuff in, which I'm I'm really intrigued to find out more about, you know, because Jakku when we when we watch the Force Awakens, all we know is that there was a battle above Jakku. And that Ray is there, but we don't really know what is their bigger significance to this planet. And because the Emperor is so interested in Jakku, I Gotta think be. there is. I think there's going to be something more significant um, that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And so I, it's, I, I, so I liked his backstory. Like how he's tied from Jakku. There is also, I guess, he also has close ties to Palpatine. And like loves the opera and that kind of stuff. So all of that was like, oh, he's very Thrawn. This is again pre uh, pre Rebels with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, uh, actually, just you know a few weeks before I think. Um, 
But, I think it's uh, funny how they faked us all out. <laughs> they really did. I wonder though. He almost like, almost as like could be like the new canon version of, you know, Pelean or something. Mm, uh, he's definitely more Thrawn like. Yeah, um, almost, he was almost like, like a blending of the more two like characters. Pelian than, you know. Yeah, maybe. Like he's I don't like, know who that is. Like so. Rex might be Thrawn, whereas she would be Pelian. Maybe you know, like if you're trying to start drawing comparisons to legends. Yeah. Um, I also think, but I think it's confusing to have a character named Rax when we have a character named Rex. mm -hmm. We have Ray, Ray Sloan, and Ray Skywalker. Ray, 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 those Imperials just copying all the. Do not put a last name on Ray right now. (laughs) It's just wishful thinking, but um, (laughs) some good references in this one. Uh, we got Brendel Hux, who is the Mm. father of. The, uh, illegitimate child yes uh, nonetheless the bastard which is son fabulous <laughs> yeah I, and i that i think that's really interesting and we got brendel hux also in the servants of the empire junior novels mm-hmm. uh, he played a major role yeah. so I, I like that they're kind of giving us more about that character and revealing you know the ties to uh, hux from the force awakens can I just say, like, I, and Aaron, you've said it before, I love how there are little ties to everything, whether it's a junior novel or, like, Ray's journal, which, I mean, we've read it, but not everybody's going to read that. But there's these little threads in everything. And yes. it's so cool. That's why it pays to read everything. I know. <laughs> now, there is a character in this that I see his name, but for me, when I see his name, I immediately think of a character from The Hunger Games. <laughs> okay. Enlighten us. Farrick, Farrick Obder looks like Finnick O'Dare. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's a reference. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm like, I just read it and I'm like, it's not there's Finnick some, O'Dare. There's some crazy character names in this book. You know, Farrick O'Dare, there's Yuptshu. Uh, which Hodner Borum. Oh uh, yeah, that's some. Actually, I don't know. Some of the names are almost too. There's a careful balance. I think you have to do, you have to strike with Star Wars names. They have to be exotic enough, but also normal. <laughs> in many ways, they're all over the uh, map, really. Yeah, some names are almost and, like, oh, that sounds like a guy that I could work with, you know? Like, and then then you have like Kayad <laughs> exactly. Mundi, and you're like, okay, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but they, but even Kiata Mundi is like, it's like readable, you know. You yeah. feel like you can kind of glance at it and be like, I got that. That's an easy. You know, I can spell that, you know. Um, but one but of my favorite are, names are, that was introduced through the aftermath books is Mercurial Swift, which <laughs> he was an he was the bounty hunter in the interlude that fought against yeah. Dengar in the first novel. And right. I love that. Like focus. That. I loved that scene. I just and I was like, "Wow, this is such a cool scene." It's kind of this young bounty hunter upstart that's taken out Dengar. It's so fun. And then they brought him back in this novel as an actual character in the book, not just in an interlude. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. I do love the interludes. That's the one thing I'll say for this these books. I love the interludes. Those are actually my favorite great. parts. Because yes. because you get to see like what's the state of the galaxy. And that's the big thing we were talking about, right? We don't, we still don't know a ton about the galaxy. We do m- more now since the Force Awakens has come up. We still don't know a ton. Yeah, there's so always we a know. Lot more. I, there's like thirty years of history to find out. 
I marked down a handful of the interludes here, the ones that stuck out to me. I didn't really mark them all down, but um, I was interested to get your guys' thoughts on these specific ones. And then if there are other ones that I don't have listed here, definitely mm-hmm. feel free to bring them up. But um, kind of in the order of their appearance in the novel, um, the Acolytes of the Beyond, the the kind of like attack on the police station of these teenagers um, who actually had a lightsaber with them um, mm-hmm. and were kind of spray painting Vader lives. Um, I thought that was a pretty interesting part and really creepy about how how it all went down. Mm-hmm. Teenagers, man, teenagers. They just do whatever they want. Um, it is kind of interesting, and I sort of, when I read that, I was like, Knights of Ren? No. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe the beginnings but of it? That was... um, I mean, we're, you know, we're still yeah, like 30, I was just I was like trying to figure out, out if this could be... Yeah, if this could be related to that or, like, not or whatever. And then with the lightsaber, I'm like, that's so weird. How are they finding this stuff? Like, how is Maz Kanata and these people finding just these, ran- like, are lightsabers just randomly laying around? Or, there like, were thousands what? of Jedi. Um, the, so in the, first, in the first aftermath, we had an interlude where uh, this group, and I don't remember if they were called, were they called the Acolytes of Beyond in the first one? I don't remember. But it was this group of uh, robed figures that were buying a lightsaber off of a guy. Um, oh, right. And so oh, I, yeah. Were, they were the Acolytes, but... Yeah, I don't know, but I feel like it's I feel like it's connected. So, And it, if you pay attention, the first novel's interludes actually played a role in the story in the second novel. So I almost wonder if the interludes we see here may come back in um, Empire's End as a bigger part of the story. So I'm this Acolyte to the Beyond has me very curious. <laughs> but um, another one was the, the one about the Alderanian flotilla, the the survivors of Alderaan that kind of all banded mm-hmm. together, and we saw that happen in the Leia comics. Mm-hmm. And then they brought it back in this, uh, kind of showing where they're at. They still haven't really found a home yet, but then they decide they're going to build a home out of the remains of the Death Star. Which is just creepy as crap. Oh, yeah. Well, why are you... Why? I mean, I, I can see the good and bad in that. You know, the you know obviously it's the thing that destroyed your planet, but the Death Star did get destroyed. Um, and so they're using something that was evil and they're using it for good i don't know like i i actually think it's kind of cool it's a nice rationalization you just didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know it's a, it's an interesting concept um uh i don't know i liked it i mean i think it's, it's an interesting concept i'll give you that i if i was a survivor of alderaan i don't think i could do that you wouldn't want I, to, yeah yeah when no, just like the, the, the just like that destroyed your. But you're almost yeah, celebrating the destruction. You survived. You know, you, the Alderaan survived. The, the Death Star did not. And I maybe it's their way of kind of celebrating. Sure. <laughs> well, we got an interlude with Maz Kanata. That was cool. That was. I like the 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 Force Awakens tie in there. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot. We get a, we get a number of different things. You know, we well, got Mazda. This... There's like baby Kylo and the Force. Get some background on that. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. That's coming up. That's we're just doing interludes right now. Interludes. But, there's a couple uh, more. But the the, the, the I like the Mazda 
interlude as well. It's, she's a, she's a great character, and I'm, I suspect we're going to see her more and more. I hope so. There's this part in the interludes that that like kind of like the rules of like Maz's palace, and one of the first ones, or in the first few, it's like if you get up on stage, you have to perform. Don't drink what's in the brown jug. So now I want to know what's in the brown jug. Um, but then there's one that's like, don't go downstairs. And I'm like, well, Ray broke that one. Hello. <laughs> don't go downstairs. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I like how she, in this, like, she goes off. And, like, this must be, I don't know if this is when she finds the lightsaber, but it very well could be. You know, she, like, is, like has to leave or whatever. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I I always forget how f- how much more time there is still between this and the Force Awakens. It's not like this happens like right before the Force Awakens. We still have, you know, a good twenty nine years until the Force Awakens happens, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Well, because she says in the interlude, she says, "Peace has not returned to my heart. Something is off balance. Some stirring in the force has made the water turbid. Hard to see, but I think it's best we be prepared." And then she like just takes off. Mm. You know, so like, I bet you that's when she finds the lightsaber. Interesting. So maybe my she favorite. She is force sensitive. Yeah, she definitely is. Yeah, it's it's definitely a possibility. I would I would love to even get like a short story on how she found that lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know we've we've talked about kyber crystals and how they they call to you. You know, maybe at this you know maybe that lightsaber was found by her because the kyber crystal was calling to her. Point. She was meant to find it so she could then, you know, uh, facilitate its passing to Ray. So, I think so. Yeah, makes sense. I want to know how though, <laughs> and where, and when. <laughs> so maybe my favorite interlude was the Malakili, the Rancor Keeper. Um, <laughs> we've gotten legend stories about him, but I, I love that they have given us a little story with him in canon. And, you know, sad about the death of his rancor. But the other things that happened, and I found, you know, pretty interesting. He's recruited by these guys that are wearing Mandalorian armor to take care of a young hutling. Like, it's so random, I feel like it can't be random. <laughs> and they keep Like, how do young us. hutlings just end up places? I think because of the... Because of the of Jabba's palace being destroyed, maybe they found him. I forget the details. Um... But, Jabba's son. Yeah, is it? You think? Gross. Ew. Why is that ew? I'm sorry. I just like. What was what it? What is going to mate it? with Jawa or with Jabba in Whoa, order wait. to have no, a no, no, baby? No, no. We but already I mean, know this. You don't Ra- know about the Rada, yeah. right? Is it Rada the Hut or something? Or is that his name? What's the What's the little the little hutling that we saw in the Clone Wars? Yeah, Rada. Okay, You're right. Baby, Rada. baby Rada. So this the you stinky. Think, because they don't yeah. grow up, you know, huts live a long time, so maybe a young hutling could still be, you think it could be him? I don't know, he's a little slug, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I just thought it was interesting. I I think they, they talked about the Sarlacc being in death throes, so the Sarlacc has been killed. Yeah, because Boba Fett got out and right. lived and he well, killed it. Well, that's the thing, they keep teasing us with this. <laughs> idea you know in the first book we got the interlude where somebody seemed to have found boba fett's armor in this interlude we get uh the sarlacc is has 
been killed so maybe boba fett did blow it oh up oh my and goodness so, and in the last book boba fett's gonna be alive and then after the book comes out they're gonna be like announcing the boba fett standalone <laughs> all the <laughs> aftermath novels were just created to lead up to the to boba fett's return right that would be great that would know. make me a whole new way of reading them. Because of Chuck Wendig, and he he's got this personality where he likes to kind of troll the fans and you know kind of have it out with the fanboys. Oh, I can yes, see him just dropping this kind of stuff just so people like me speculate about it. But there's nothing more to it than that. I mean, I honestly like I can't wait to see what the interludes. Probably the most thing I'm most excited about for the next book, Empire's End, is the rest of the interludes and kind of what uh what what are these interludes what are we going to see how is chuck Wendig going to troll us you know that's kind of what makes me most excited <laughs> yeah definitely i've heard i'm not going to say anything because i'm not allowed to but i've heard a, what a couple of the interludes are going to be and yeah, they're pretty amazing it's going to be crazy yeah surprising stuff but um yeah so and then the last one i wanted to bring up was the the therapy droid one I thought that one was pretty cool. Um, almost this precursor to a, like a BB-8 type uh, droid. Not so much with you sorry. guys. Sorry, no. I have he a didn't really stick out. Over here. No, he, he didn't really stick out to me. I'm sorry. And it, it's it's been so long since I read it. I'm trying to think back. Like, I honestly don't even remember that interlude. Okay, so there's this guy who was injured in the war, and he's in this hospital, and they offer him to to have for him to get a therapy Ewok. Oh right, and he and he turns down the therapy Ewok. So then they offer him this droid, and the way they describe the droid is it's got a spherical body that it rolls around, but its head is a box shape, not like the dome shape like BB-8. So it's kind of like a, a BB-8-esque droid. So maybe a precursor to BB-8, um, which I think you know was a purposeful you know reference. They're trying to show that there are other droids like BB-8. Um, at least this this early in the timeline, you know, this maybe BB-8 started out with Squareheads, but I don't know. I I just thought it was kind of a cool shout out, not only to the idea of a therapy Ewok, but also that uh, a little cute droid could help somebody kind of recover from their trauma from the war. No, yes. therapy Ewok is so much better. I don't know. I don't know who if they'd be good therapy. Who wouldn't want a therapy Ewok, right? I mean, seriously. Well, his reasoning for not wanting one was that they smell bad. So, I disagree. I don't think that's true. But yeah, so those were the interludes for me personally that stuck out that I that I really enjoyed. Yeah, well, it is probably the best part of these books is the interlude. <laughs> um, one thing this is not an interlude, but one thing I uh, we also got some fascinating information about. Um, uh, about some of the characters we we know and love from Star Wars, uh, from, from other other aspects of of the saga, um, like I was surprised, like, Mon Mothma gets shot in this in this book. <laughs> Were you guys expecting that at all? I was no. not expecting it. And Crix no. Maiden is like completely killed off. Yeah, no. I forgot that she yeah. got shot. Who got killed? Crix Maiden. Oh, did he? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's they right. killed Maiden. Yeah, he killed Maydeen and shot Mon Mothma, and she's like in the hospital. I don't think we ever found out what happens to her. Do you remember uh, in Legends how Maydeen died? I don't. What well, did he die in, in yeah, Legends? Yeah, it was a big thing because he was the first, I think, movie 
quote unquote movie really? character to die that. in Legends. Um, and it was in the in the novel Dark Saber by Kevin J. Anderson, and he was shot by a hut, I believe, of <laughs> what all a things. But there's art of it in one of the one of the old reference guides. They actually drew an image of him being shot in the chest by this hut. So it's out there. You could probably Google it. But yeah, so Crix Maidin um, has now died in both Legends and in Canon. Poor guy. Wah, 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 he yeah. did. I forgot about that. Poor guy. But uh, but yeah, it's like that that kind of stuff was was surprising to me. I was not expecting it. I'm very curious to see what happens. You know, further with with Mon Mothma. And oh, uh, you know something uh-huh. I enjoyed from the book because you know obviously there wasn't a ton of stuff, but like I we figured out how Snap gets his nickname and that it was given to him by Wedge. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because he snaps his fingers all the time, so Wedge yeah. nicknamed him Snap. <laughs> I will say I I liked Temin a lot more after seeing Rogue One because I, I felt like I could connect with him more. I'm like, oh yeah, I saw him in the movie and now I like Temin Snap Wexley a bit more. Yeah, I really um, want to like that character because I know he becomes Snap Wexley in The Force Awakens um, who plays a, a pretty big role as an X-Wing pilot. And so I'm like, oh, this, you know, because I know that, I'm really wanting this character to grow into that. But I'm still mm-hmm. not, he's still too like teenager for me. Yeah, you know, definitely. Too, too angsty. Um, I do love Bones though, Mister Bones. Who is, doesn't like Bones? Yeah, I feel like yeah, he's the strongest like character him. in these novels that they've created. Which is, you know, he's kind of just a sidekick and the, you know, just the humorous character of the book. But I, I find him to be the best addition uh, to the canon from these novels. But sometimes the sidekicks are the best. I mean, K two S O. Yeah, yeah. Crazy droid sure. sidekicks are all the rage in Star Wars. They really right? are, you know, with Chopper, K two so Roger. Wait, how do you Bones. say that? Because Chopper's a little crazy, let's be no, honest. No, no, no. Why do you say K two so? What do I like him, you mean? Or no, why do you no, say it that way? Why do you say it that way? Oh. K two S O. Everybody calls him I thought yeah, K two so. Nobody calls him they, that except no, you. Nobody calls him that except no, you. I'm pretty sure I, I saw it referenced somewhere. They called it K2SO. <laughs> I've not, only heard anybody call him K2SO. I've heard him called K, and I've heard him call, K. called K2SO, but K2SO. I could have sworn I read this or saw, heard this somewhere official, and that's why I started using it. Uh, I'm going to have to look this up. This is now the second time someone had asked me, and I, I, I cannot find... Find the reference. I need to know. The reference. I was I was just gonna let it pass. I associated it with the William thing, you know, that he's K two so. No, no, I I, 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 I am always so very awesome. like official name. I always use the official name, so that's ah, okay. If it's not, if it's not that, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be pretty embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. Like Chopper K two S O, AP five, like. <laughs> Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones, Roger from the Freemaker Adventures. Yeah. Yes, Roger. Oh, I love Roger. Which he's like the nice version of Mr. Bones. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm really loving these these droids, uh especially the ones that speak. You know, Mr. Bones, K2SO. I I I really like I think you meant to say K2SO. K2SO. Um <laughs> yeah, so. But Wexler, I know the novelization says like spells it out. It's not K two S O. It's like K T O O S O. 
Are you? Did you listen to the audiobook? That might answer our question. No, I didn't listen to the audiobook. That's a good. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. But in the movie, yeah, anybody in the listening movie, knows. But the let book us spells know. it. In the movie, they just call him K a lot. Yeah, they... and so does the novelization as well. Yeah. Anyway, I, so I always I, thought I, that was his nickname, K. But yeah. speaking of Wexley's, so we got you know we're talking about Temin, we're talking about Mr. Bones. Um, Temin's mom, obviously Nora, is the a big focus character. But we finally get to find out the mystery of what happened to Temin's dad, Brenton Wexley, who is conveniently in the same prison as Chewbacca. And yeah, he shows he up comes... at the worst time for Wedge and Tilly's. Yeah, because they he's he and uh, and Nora start to hit it off, and then all of a sudden uh, Nora's husband, long since since thought who they thought were dead was dead, reappears, and uh, I wonder where that story is going to lead with him. Uh, well, he's also been brainwashed. Yeah, he's been brainwashed. He doesn't die. Uh, he you know he is part of the the insurrection onto uh chandrilla and part of who you know he's trying to assassinate i think was he the one that tried to kill mon mothma but missed i think uh i think so yeah so yeah and then he even tries to to kill his own son at one point but he escapes the planet and actually is teamed up with of all people ray sloan now and Mm -hmm. they're like oh let's go get racks i think is kind of how it all ends. So that's it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, where that character goes, why they decided to introduce him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Especially because like that that moment where I think he's talking with Temin and Temin's like, well, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's changed, maybe he's good, and then all of a sudden he, you know, betrays him and shoots his own son, and stuns him. Mm-hmm. It's like wow, I was not expecting that at all. It was good. Well, there's only a couple more things I have on my mind to talk about, but you guys feel free to to bring anything else up. Uh, but the uh, the Imperial who was running the Wookiee homeworld, Lozen Tolrock, that dude was crazy again with again with the names. Yeah, that guy was something else. You know, he had gotten kind of addicted to I think like the sap of the trees or something, and was was like kind of chewing on that stuff and Star Wars uh, drugs. He was hunting Wookiees for fun, and he—I mean—he had lost his mind pretty much at that point. And was he the one that actually thought the Emperor was still alive too? I think. I don't remember. I thought he did, but yeah. So yeah, I just thought that that character was very interesting. We've never really seen an Imperial like that before, the way they described him. And then you know he he ultimately dies at the hands of the Wookiee that he had been enslaving, which I thought was fitting, but. He stuck out to me as a character. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on it. Not really. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't. Make, then, he didn't make as much of an impression on me. <laughs> I think on. I was more concerned with like some of the stuff that was happening. You know, just knowing that Han and Leia got married on Endor, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that she was already pregnant with baby Kylo. Um, just all of those kind of things. The force, that yeah. Kind of thing. And like and, Leia's connection to the Force, like that stuff is the stuff that was stuck out to me, not this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great yeah, I agree. As well, the stuff yeah. that like kind of has a larger impact, like the things that 
we don't know about that happened between uh, Jedi and Force Awakens. Like that kind of stuff is, is really interesting. Like apparently by this point, Luke is already gone. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that long after Endor. And he's already kind of gone off on his, you know, an uh, exile. He's not really part of the galaxy anymore. So we really do have like almost a solid 30 years without Luke. Um, well, he must come so, back at some point when Kylo's older because him and Kylo go off together. Or Ben, I'm sorry. Um, or do they send Kylo to meet him? He's just never part of the galaxy. He's just off into his own thing and they, and they, they send just, Kylo. Yeah, but he's, yeah, yeah. right. It, it, that could be the case, but he doesn't just disappear without them, you know, at least. No, 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 right. They have some contact is. with him still, yeah. but like the galaxy at large doesn't have any communication with them, which would also explain why. Uh, they've mostly like he's mostly a myth. Thirty years later, it's not just like ten years; it's it's been thirty years. Yeah, but I think it's really interesting. Like Leia's connection to the Force is is very interesting to me. And then this moment, like with Chewie staying on Kashyyyk, and like mm. the the whole like almost like I love you, I know line, you know, again, but with Chewie. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we know that Chewie and Han end up together again, you know, because in The Force Awakens, they're, you know, running that freighter together. So Mm -hmm. what events lead Chewie to go back to Han? You know, he's with his family. He's on his home planet. Um, So does something happen to his family? Like, why does he go back to Han? And I think that's going to be some interesting stuff to find out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that was all the stuff that caught my attention more so than some of the other things. More so than the the crazy Imperial that was running the Wookiee homeworld. Yeah, more than the one that was like getting, you know, getting high off tree sap. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did like though that they went and tried to free the Wookiees and, and that sort of thing. I, I liked that a lot more. They were yeah. all tie and chewy and have a large a portion of the book with Han and, you know, I, not- I, I, I did enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, and we're not we haven't really talked much about the, the main cast. I, I feel like we've talked about a lot about the <laughs> yeah. interludes and the the you know. Han I think and that Chewie. that's indicative of the of our feelings. On it, this. It, yeah, it is. It's probably very reflective on how we feel about those characters. But uh, John Burrell and Jazz Jazz is their name, right? Um, mm-hmm. Jazz Amari. They had kind of the unexpected romantic connection that I that kind of came out of the left field. Um, <laughs> and but John was a character that really didn't play a very big part in the first novel. And then he became a, a pretty big part of the team in this novel, but he went through some pretty rough stuff in this, in this book, even on the Wookiee homeworld where he gets captured and ends up being thrown in a cage and like getting his eye ripped out. Um, and not being rescued, I think for a matter of months, they, it took them to kind of get back to him. So I, I really felt bad for that character. Yeah, I, I, I just I couldn't see why they were so rough on him. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of want to. It took me a second. I'm Aaron, like, I really want to have feelings, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to connect, like connect to the the main characters here, but um, yeah, no, I think good that scenes, just I, proves the point for you for this. Yeah, review. I just they're, they're not that. Yeah, it, I just don't connect with them. You know, that the most would probably be like. You know, Nora and Temin a bit. That's because Nora, there's the whole Nora and Wedge thing, and her husband comes back, and now he's like brainwashed. And Temin, because of the, for, the the loose Force Awakens connection, and you know, 
race only because she's now basically leading the the empire. But aside from those, I don't know, like Sinjir, Wrath, Velas, he's okay, you know. Um, I liked him a lot more in the first book, Sinjir. Actually, I remember yeah. after reading the first book, he was actually my favorite character from the novel. I, I really liked him a lot. And a lot in this book, I don't know. It was almost like the. It was almost like Chuck Wendig realized that he was so popular, so he tried to give him more quippy, funny lines, and it became mm-hmm. too much. I mean, he was almost, he was too sarcastic, um, and I, he actually started to get on my nerves more than anything else. Interesting, but mm. yeah. So I don't. Any other thoughts? I mean, there was the cameo of Avon Verlaine, who is also from the Leia comics. Uh, where she actually plays a part in, you know, flying the Falcon back to uh, Kashyyyk to help rescue Han, uh, which I thought was kind of cool that they brought a comic character into the novel. Um, but other than that, there's not really anything else I wanted to cover. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I think that's that's most of what I had in my in my notes as well. Um, yeah, like, so are so you guys of... excited for the third novel, Aftermath, uh, Empire's End? I, I think I already know Teresa's answer, but are you are you guys, because it comes out, I think, in February, so it's it's pretty close uh, to kind of wrapping up this trilogy. I am. I, I, I mean, I want to figure out, like, what happens. I think this is supposedly the one that, I mean, based on the title, it's the end of the Empire, right? We're supposed to figure out, okay, what actually happened. Uh, we've seen the Battle of Jakku a few times from different perspectives. Um, we saw it in Lost Stars. We saw it in a little bit like oh, in the Battlefront best game. Book ever. Lost Stars is very good. Uh, we saw it, you know, a few different ways, but I have a feeling Jack who's going to have to play some big role. And so hopefully we'll get more in this book. Um, so yeah, I am by the interludes. You know, I always love the interludes. Um, and particularly the one, you're mentioning Aaron, so I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, thoughts? It is what it is. You're only going to read the third book because you have to? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and because there are some interludes I really want to read. All right. Like, fair. really want to read. <laughs> this is actually, uh, Empire's End is the book I'm looking the most forward to, actually, because of... Uh, because of the the possibility of some really cool inter- interludes, because of it filling in more information about the Battle of Jakku, and you know more about what's happening to our favorite characters, you know between Return of the Jedi and and The Force Awakens. So I'm I'm really excited about. It. I love stories that I don't know where it's going. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that we read um, that's set kind of earlier, we we kind of know the end game. But for this, there, we really there's such a big gap of time. I really don't know what to expect from that novel, so I'm actually really excited for it. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm more interested in Thrawn. So, yeah, see, I feel like Thrawn's a prequel story to of the character that we see in Rebels. And can I just remind um, you, I've never read certain books, so this is my first Thrawn book. So I'm excited. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'm trying to think. Aside from Thrawn and empires and do we we don't have that many new books we don't on the know horizon. much else yeah yeah i know there's going to be there's some junior novels you know with the right. ba- the bays uh and chariot novel that's coming um but this is like probably the the fewest novels we've had in the pipeline in a long time yeah i'm, I'm well, wondering like what are they waiting of for wait, 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 celebration yes, yes. 
celebration, I'm sure they're going to have a huge blowout and yeah. have tons of uh, news. Uh, and I'm sure there's like also books that are, you know, they can't announce as far out anymore since they might be tied in with the films and that right. sort of thing. So, like, yeah, to be clear, I don't think that we don't have any content. We just don't know what the content is. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely get so. a episode eight novelization this year. Yeah. Um, because you know that it'll come out with the movie, I'm sure. And then we know Thrawn's coming. We know Empire's End. So yeah, so we know for a fact there'll be three novels from Del Rey. But I don't think we have anything else. I think we'll know we'll know more at Celebration, and I think we're gonna get probably a couple more this year. But yeah. they just can't say anything. Yeah, else. that's kind of my guess too. That we get about two more. Um, so yeah, cool. Well, um. I think that wraps it up for us. So I think we're good to end the show. I, um, thanks so much, William, for joining us. Do you You're have, welcome. Um, anything you want to share with our listeners as far as how they can find you or anything going on over at Ion Cannon? Sure. We've got uh, we've got a review of um, Trials of the Dark Saber coming up this weekend. Uh, so highly recommend uh, checking that out. And uh, and yeah, we've got the podcast on uh, you know, IonCannonCast.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MasterDevWood, D-E-V-W-I, if you want. But thank you for having me on. It's, it's always fun joining you guys. I know I was a little rusty on the books. So I, I feel a little bad. But it was fun to kind of like, as we started talking about it, it all, it all came back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm starting to remember this now. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for having me on, guys. I always enjoy talking Star Wars with both of you. Yay! Yeah, thanks for coming on. Coming up next is going to be the Chewbacca comic volume. So that'll be the next show and in between shows you can find us on twitter we are at swbookworms you can email us starwarsbookworms at gmail.com and on facebook it's facebook.com slash starwarsbookworms and we're on itunes if you listen to our show and you enjoy it we'd love for you to head on over to itunes leave us a nice uh, five-star review you can find Teresa on twitter and instagram at icecoldpenguin you can find me on twitter at avgoins So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.